Social Believers once again to the Marvel Cinecast for the end of Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1, The Avengers. Joining me this week, as always, we have Scott. Hey, what's up? And we have Tony. All up in this mother. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, okay. (laughs) I should really pre-plan these (laughs) one-liners. So we've talked Iron Man, we've talked Thor, we've talked Captain America, we've talked the Incredible Hulk. It's time for the grand finale, the big moment everybody was waiting for in 2012, Marvel's The Avengers, and what a film it was. It was action-packed, it was thrilling, it was action-packed, it was sort of action-packed. <laughs> yeah. There was lots of action. <laughs> so much I, I think, action. I think what you meant to say was, I think what you meant to say was, uh, what? A film it was? <laughs> but, but yes, kind of to jump into this. This film, for better or worse, tends to sacrifice any type of character motivation, plotting, pacing for action, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. There is some great action in this film. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's just that there's a lot of inconsistent character moments and powers. Um,. Just to kind of throw that out there, I don't get Thor's power level in this film, because Iron Man is a test for him, but he goes toe-to-toe with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, for a moment he does, but, I mean, he was certainly being overpowered by the Hulk. There was no way he was going to win that fight, that's for sure. Oh, there's no, yeah. But I'm assuming that the Hulk and Iron Man aren't even in the same ballpark of power levels, but Iron Man was given to him just as good as he was getting. Yeah, Iron Man well, was pretty much kicking ass in the whole movie. I mean, you know, yeah. he schooled Loki, and, you know, as soon as he showed up, Loki basically surrendered. Which yeah, I can only assume Loki did because he realized the true power of Iron Man, and not because he had <laughs> ulterior motives. Yeah, he and would, it's not that Iron Man's, like, particularly powerful, but he's got more cunning and, you know, battle sense than the Hulk. And wit. Yeah, a lot more one-liners <laughs> than the Hulk. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Iron Man has more one-liners than Arnold Schwarzenegger's entire career in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. Iron Man only speaks in one-liners. And it does him good. It really does. It does, but it's also really strange because like, the entire film is him just having quip after quip after quip. And it's really weird because he doesn't speak to people in a normal conversation. I mean, I think the closest that he speaks to somebody with an actual degree of sincerity is when he's introduced to Bruce Banner. It's good to meet you, Dr. Banner. Your work on anti-electron collisions is unparalleled, and I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Yeah, But even that, even that was kind of a bit of a quip at the end there, where he's like, oh, I'm a huge fan of how you turn into an enormous rage monster. Oh, yeah. Any, anything he says in this film is kind of undercut by quips. Actually, I'm going to go as far as to say that any dramatic weight in this film is usually undercut by some type of quip or some type of humor. Um, I mean, we're going to jump all over this film, apparently. But Kosin's death. One, he gets a death that has his three scenes. Yoki stabs him. He shoots Yoki. Nick Fury shows up to talk to him, and then he dies. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, he gets stabbed, and... What's the next thing he said? Oh, you're not going to win. Blah, blah, blah. And then he shoots him with you a gun. Conviction. Oh. 
<laughs> this is what it does, and it's like, ha ha ha, it's cut the tension. Even um, even that is going to be a joke. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, speaking mm-hmm. of like Iron Man specifically, the one time or one of the few times that he had an actual serious conversation, it didn't feel right. I was mentioning before the show when he was talking to Bruce Banner and uh, was talking about how you know his his uh, his turning into the Hulk is like a uh, terrible privilege or, or something like that. I forget what he said, but when he's talking to him, he's like that much radiation should have killed you. And it's like, he said it in this, so this, this non-serious way, but he's talking about like, you should have died, but this thing protected you. And it's, you know, it's a gift and a curse and you need to, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, and yet just the way he says it is like, do you know how to be serious? Yeah. And that actually reminds me of the other, another moment that's actually pretty serious. And I don't think they undercut this is when Bruce is explaining that he's tried to kill himself Mm-hmm. And he transformed into the Hulk, and the Hulk just spits out the boy. They didn't undercut that with the um, any type of quip, but I could be mm-hmm. mistaken, and I don't know. I don't think they ever explained it or caught us out in the film. Uh, I assume the staff was enhancing their anger or dislike towards each other, but they never yeah. mentioned that. They they just kind of show the staff in the background. Yeah, but they never. There's no point in the film when they ever show that it's capable of doing that. So if you're going to show the staff doing that, you either need to call it out or specifically have it have done that earlier in the film. Well, certainly mm-hmm. the mind can take though the staff can take over minds and control, you know, people's brains and things like that as we see when he touches their chest with it. So and then when they're arguing in the room, they kind of like zoom in on the staff, so it's kind of showing that hey, maybe this is controlling them or causing them to be more aggro than they normally would. So, I mean, they did kind of hint at it, but but really, though, what was the point of upsetting them? Like, what Yeah. What was what, what, what was the end game in that regard? Just to piss everyone off and then fight them later? I don't know what yeah, Loki was trying to do there. Let's, let's walk this back. Let's start at the beginning. Loki is in the league with the Chitauri, which will to find out is also part of Thanos' army and I'm not I'm really confused as to what happened to Loki between Thor and the Avengers I guess he gets transported to their dimension and teams up with them whatever mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. he comes through with, he comes to the Tesseract and he escapes with it from the shield bunker or whatever and then at some point his plan is to get captured by Shield because he knows about their super secret base. I guess he had Hawkeye with him, and mm-hmm. his his plan was that Fury was going to call the Avengers, which was a project that they mentioned several times was Mothball in this movie. So he assumed that Fury was going to recall this team, and his plan was to what? Yeah, why did he? Uh... Why did he get captured in the first place? He had the he had the tesseract, he had the ability to, to build the portal. He could have just gone and done it, and then that would have been that. Without, but for some reason he was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna first make, take a uh, you know stop by the uh, helicarrier for a minute just to chat, and then then we'll maybe, continue the story. Like maybe it had something to do with how he wanted to make sure Thanos's end of the bargain was held up by you know trying to get rid of the the group that would be the only real threat to him you know because he but, wanted to rule but, earth 
So. But the reason that the group comes together is ultimately because of him. Yeah, but yeah, I don't <laughs> think he saw that coming. But I don't think he saw anything I, coming. I don't get his like his entire plan is to get captured because they didn't know where he was. The only reason they found him is because he gave up his location by being out in the open, and he surrendered when Iron Man showed up. His yeah. plan was to get captured, and then what? Like he, they, they, they've. Uh, Black Widow gets it out of him that he's there for the Hulk. But at no point does the film ever draw a connection between what he needs with the Hulk and what happens yeah, what with the Hulk. He, what was he going to do with him? Did he do anything with him? He just, I mean, he got the Hulk pissed off and then left. So I don't, I mean, was that his goal? Was like, hey, let's, I think let's that make was everybody angry. And then, but, but even then that was an accident because the only reason the Hulk got pissed off was because of the random explosion, which just happened to hit when they were all in the same room. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I think okay. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So kind of going talking about the Hulk. This is also something that bothered me. The, one of the big parts of the climax is when the Hulk, when Bruce Banner shows up and he says, "My secret is I'm always angry." If he's always angry, how did he lose control on the helicarrier? He got in a lot of well, pain on the helicarrier. Like he had part of a building fall on him. Did so. he? Because he seemed fine. Well, it seemed yeah. like Jack Riddle was more hurt than he was. Well, yeah. he, he did fall quite a bit. And, I mean, he's not... Jack Riddle was... And he was already kind of pissed well, Black off, like, like a super more so than that. normal. But, yeah, I mean, it's not... Like, but I, even, I then that, even then, I would buy that if it was an instant transformation. She's literally trying to calm him down and stuff. And I'm just like, he later on says he's always angry, so... It shouldn't have taken too much to calm him down, or he should have been better able to control it. Like, I understand well, that they needed the hope to show up well, before already, the climax. He was already... Yeah. When she was trying to calm him down, he was already, like, mid-transformation. So I imagine it's kind of like trying to stop peeing when you're midstream. It's like, ah, ah, ah crap. Uh, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it's already it's done. It's happening. The Hulk. You're like, can't stop, already transformed into Hulk. Crap, I'm the Hulk now. <laughs> but... So, okay, even even if that was his plan with the Hulk, what was like? He does nothing once they hit the helicarrier, well, other than taking it out of commission. Here's 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 where here's where you're you're you're, you're having some trouble. Is you're trying to put logic and reasoning into a movie that is not supposed to have logic or reasoning. <laughs> I, I I feel like the Avengers is. Certainly one of the greatest comic book movies of all time, hands down, no question. But is not really that great of a movie, period. Like it's the the stru- the story, some of the dialogue, the just the structure of it, why things happen, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's super fun and awesome, and there's lots of explosions and superheroes and cool stuff, and it, it's it's just a lot of fun to watch. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 one of those that if you try to break it down critically, there you're gonna find a ton of holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. I think that's and really I think, true. And I think that's kind of what happens. Is it's one of those films that you really, really I enjoyed this movie tremendously when I watched it in the cinemas, and I still enjoyed it a lot. But sitting down to actually watch it to discuss it on this show, it was yeah. like a lot of this stuff does not make sense at all. It's like scenes are in service of the action and not the action in service of the scenes or the characters. Um, oh, certainly. Like, like uh, kind of going back again to the beginning, 
I guess that they had Thor and Iron Man fight because they needed them to fight, but their reasoning is really stupid. They both know that Oki's the bad guy here. <laughs> no, they, they they had them fight because in in a, in a in a action movie you have to hit certain beats, and at that point there was a, an action beat that needed to be made, so they make a fight happen. Same thing that happened on the helicarrier. Helicarrier. They had an, had an, it had to hit an action beat. So they had the Hulk turn, and they all fought, for, and Loki showed up for no reason, just because they yeah, needed and, that action beat. And that's what I said. It's scenes in service of the action, not action in service of the scenes. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really strange, because I, you just had Loki and Cap fight, and then Iron Man curved that, and then you just had... It's like, okay, we need to get so many in here. And I think part of the reason is, is there is a long stretch, af- I think, after the fight with Cap and Iron Man... I mean, while Iron Man and Thor, there really isn't anything until the Hulk hoaxes out, as far as like major action, and that's a good like thirty minutes or so of them kind of talking. Yeah, no, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I I don't want to, you know, put this down too much because it's like it's an incredible feat that they were even able to make this movie in the first place. I mean, to be able to take all of these different characters and, and make them all fit somehow into this into this world is incredible. Um, so, you know, it, but at the same time, you have to look at it critically. And critically, it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. But yeah. the saving grace is that it has amazing action sequences, including the climax, which is almost, I think it's like almost 30 minutes long from when they first kind of hit the ground to when that battle's over. Oh, yeah. But yeah, even probably st- about 30 minutes. Yeah, I, I actually timed because I knew it was a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a climax, but there's some amazing scenes in it, and there are uh, some fun character moments. I like the dynamic that Iron Man tends to have with a lot of the characters, um, namely uh, Cap and Bruce Banner. Um, uh, well, you know, again, we kind of had the introduction before, but there's also this, you know. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. Packet. Subic's notes. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Does Loki need any particular kind of power source? He'd have to heat the cube to 120 million Kelvin just to break through the Coulomb barrier. Unless Subic has figured out how to stabilize the quantum tunneling effect. Well, if he could do that, he could achieve heavy ion fusion at any reactor on the planet. Finally, someone who speaks English. Is that what just happened? I I have the dynamic between Tony and Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're bonding. Gotta love that. Over the Gotta love that heavy ion fusion. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I, like, it's, that, that, that quantum tunneling effect—it's just—it's—it's it's a pain, man. Yeah, every I time I say it. As a fan of comic books, as a fan of this movie, as a fan of the Flash TV show, I've stopped trying to decipher the science <laughs> talk because none of it makes sense. Well, no, actually, some of it—it it, it actually does make sense. So they do like, um, not to get like super duper nerd with you, but like quantum tunneling effects is is, is definitely an issue with um with time travel and you know so it's they they actually some of the jargon they use does make sense but uh, it, i'm it, sure it's it, actual it's jargon just... i don't know if it necessarily makes sense in the <laughs> order that they placed it in yeah right. i think they just spouted yeah. a lot of science stuff <laughs> that kind <laughs> just, of makes sense they just, yeah they flip through a quantum mechanics book and they're like oh let's go with this this phrase and this one and that nah, sounds about right <laughs> yeah exactly so it yeah. sounds realistic because part of it kind of is realistic. Yeah. You know what's pretty impressive, I've, though, is that Joss Whedon both wrote and directed this film 
I mean, almost entirely by himself. Obviously, obviously he had some some co-writers with him, but I mean, this was largely his baby from start to finish, which is insane. I, I can't imagine how how stressful and time consuming that must have been. But you can definitely tell it was it was it's a Joss Joss Whedon film. I mean, not just for the fact that yeah, there's you know this ensemble, but the writing is is very Whedon esque. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys felt about that in particular. I, I, you know, I know we discussed before that um, I did have some issues with some of the dialogue. That there were a lot of times where it felt like, like uh, two characters, two, two characters would be communicating, and it felt like it was Joss Whedon talking to himself because there wasn't enough of a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, like the, I get when, it. when you talk to someone, they have certain ways of saying things, and it felt like everyone was saying things the same way. They had the same cadence to their speech and the same kind of uh, wittiness to their speech. And, and so, I mean, mm-hmm. but again, it's, I don't want to be too overly critical because it's like how insanely difficult must it have been to put that together. But, you know. Yeah, oh, but I yeah. mean, he, he's, he's, he's right. He, I mean, he's a man who's made a living off of writing ensembles. I mean, Buffy was an ensemble. Uh, Firefly was an ensemble. He knows ensembles, so it's weird that he would have all these characters. Especially being that these were characters that were defined before he got his hands on them. They all speak differently and behave differently in their movies. I don't think any of them are completely out of character, but a lot of them do seem to have been more like they all kind of came into a middle so that they could all fit the tone of this film instead of being right. the character that they were. Um, again, I, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, Iron Man's the easiest example because he had two movies before it is where he, yes, he's whip, he's witty and he's, you know, snarky and stuff like that, but he didn't spend those two movies speaking in one night is he has a heart. I mean, that's really the point of Iron Man is that he has a heart, even if it's one that's almost, that's trying to kill him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's, uh, but I don't know. It, it, overall, I, I I did enjoy the dialogue overall, but there were certain moments where it would be like, um, what is this person saying? Or that doesn't really fit, or mm-hmm. you know, something to that effect. But overall, yeah, I, I think enjoy it. certainly. Enjoy it. I think the hardest part might have been the fact that these are all established characters with their own movies for for the most part, and they're such heavy-hitting characters, you don't want to make it so that they're all just competing within the same movie to be, like, the star. It has well, to be about no the Avengers. Oh, no, no, no competition at all. <laughs> I mean, you could say it's, a, it's Iron Man's movie. Oh, yeah, I mean, just looking at... I'm looking at the IMDb, IMDb page right now, and the image that they use for the, the um, poster has Iron Man front and center, you know, and everybody yeah, else kind of behind him. I mean, it made our Robert Downey Jr. was responsible for kicking off this universe. Robert Downey Jr. is the most charismatic of all the leads. Not to say that any of them are bad, but he is the most charismatic. He has the most personality. And it was easy to make it his movie. And I think that's kind of why Josh Whedon's style works, is because it's this style that suits the Iron Man character. The problem is, if everybody else is doing it, it doesn't really stand out. It kind of gets grading by the end. Mm-hmm. But they were smart enough that once the dialogue took too much, they would throw in some action or some type of sex drama between them. Uh, It was perfectly timed action sequences to, you know, break the dialogue. 
I was going to say that oh, I enjoyed all the main characters, but this is something we kind of hinted at before in other shows, I think especially with Thor. But the one character who has never been given much development gets Cyan in the opening scene of this film. And oh, Hawkeye? He, yes. The blink and you miss him character? Poor Hawkeye. He gets no love. <laughs> yes. Like, even once... Okay. Okay. This, uh, this bothered me from the first time I've seen this film, and I still don't understand it. Loki's scepter allows him to control people's brains with their hearts, whatever that, whatever sense that makes. The cure for that is blunt force trauma to the head. How does that work? Uh, well, yeah, what did she call it? It was like a cognitive, uh, um, cognitive resetting or something like that. Recalibration, yeah. He's like, what? I hit you in the head really, really hard. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> What's what is it? That's, that that brings up opens up a whole other can of worms about like knocking people unconscious with blows to the head in movies and how completely unrealistic that is, and how like people just wake up and they're like, oh man, what happened? It's like, dude, if you got knocked out that hard, you would you would be shitting your pants. Like it would not be good. Yeah, you'd be in the <laughs> hospital for a week at least. And Hawkeye yeah. goes to a battle like thirty minutes later. You are con- like, you are wow. heavily heavily concussed. <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> Not only that, but he had perfect aim after that. No very vision or anything. It's like, I'm good to go, folks. And yeah. Yeah, I, I, oh, I did. Don't get me started on his archery, okay? His form is way off in this movie. <laughs> it's like, did he even look up a YouTube video on how to you know, shoot an arrow? It's like, his like elbow's all up in the air. He's pulling it up to his like lips. You know, it's supposed to, it, it, his, he, his technique's way off in this film. What's interesting, though, is they had like, uh, CG arrows in a lot of the shots. So when he would, he would, uh, well, first off, he switched hands all the time. Like he would be, he would shoot righty and then shoot lefty, which I don't know if he did that on purpose. I doubt they did. But he would, when you, when you pull the arrow, you have to basically knock it on the opposite side that you pull from. So, but he would knock it on the same side and then somehow the arrow would end up on the opposite side. It would just phase right through the bow. I know that's like a super, yeah. super, like, specific thing. thing but every time he would do it i'd be like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> i mean okay let's be honest at one point he had an arrow really curve in midair so i think yeah. they weren't going for realism i'm still not <laughs> sure how that arrow curved um, i don't know <laughs> the wind i don't know but i don't know how he predicted it that's the big thing like even yeah, if it was the wind the wind wouldn't the wind would redirect it it wouldn't literally curve the arrow <laughs> Yeah. Can I say how absolutely ridiculous it is that you have Black Widow and Hawkeye fighting alongside these gods and monsters? And it's like, dude, Tony, like, can you hook these guys up with some kind of armor or something? They're just running around out there in, like, skin-tight leather with freaking bows and arrows and pistols. It's like, give them something. This is ridiculous. To be fair, they do cut it out in the film. Like, Hawkeye and Black Widow say that. And you know, the, the basically, yeah, we're going to go with it, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And Shabak Widow proves to be extremely useful. Hawkeye is there. <laughs> he gets the call out shots, yeah. I guess. Like he That's tells Tony guy. to can't bank for crap or anything. Well, having like a good that. spotter is important. I, I guess. guess so. Yeah. It's like those things are hard to miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like somebody has to be the medic in your game. It's like somebody has to be the dude yeah, that someone sits needs up on to top. Be healed, someone needs to tank. All that. Yeah, but 
Yeah, it, it, to me, it was like one of the one of the things, and it was like completely ridiculous. Is that you have like Tony Stark could easily hook him up with some tech, but instead they're just running around with bows and arrows. <laughs> it's like what? It's a very it's a very tiny window. Like from yeah. the assumption I got once they're on the higher carrier, it's pretty much like an overnight thing. Like Oki gets there like maybe Wednesday night, and this all takes place like Thursday morning. Yeah. But, I guess, and we're not reviewing it, but when the new Avengers movie comes out, I guarantee you he wouldn't have hooked them up with anything. It's like, dude, you had months to, like, <laughs> give these people something hey, so they can fight with. He's busy building deadly robots, thank you very much. I guess. Mm-hmm. Selfish, selfish bastard. <laughs> he's, a, he's a disgrace to Tony's everywhere. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else to talk about, because... Really, there isn't a ton of plot in this film. No, there there really isn't. I guess, I guess the only one of the only big parts is the confrontation that doesn't really turn into anything between Captain America and Iron Man. Well, I assume that's set in the um, stages for what would be Captain America Civil War. War. Yes, it's a it's it's building it's building things up to that moment. I mean, even when you look on the internet today and people make memes talking about the civil war, they use shots from the Avengers when they're both mad at each other. So, you know, speaking of captain America though, can we comment on how it looks like captain America is wearing a captain America costume that you would buy at like party city. (laughs) It's like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, what do you wear? It is the worst costume of his in the movies to date and the funny thing is they're going on about how we've improved your costume I'm like no you didn't no you did not <laughs> you made not. it significantly I more star spangly I remember watching, spangly. The, I remember <laughs> I watching like the theaters and being like why didn't they just stick with the old costume it was way better <laughs> I, I also like the fact that he pretty much spends the entire movie in costume after a while like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to change I'm just going to hang out and it's like Sure, this is this is my street clothes, this is my pajamas, I'm always here for this. Um, but yes, it is, and I, I'm so happy to change, I think so far of the mo- movies, and we'll get to this in a bit, I think his Winter Soldier outfit is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I see I'm a big fan of the one in the uh, first Avenger, but yeah, the Winter Soldier one's really nice. I like the okay. first Avenger one because it utilized more of the, the blues, and the Winter Soldier one was more, you know, just gray. Okay, but we can all agree this is the worst one. Oh um, yeah. Speaking, speaking of costumes, I, I maybe I like how does Thor powers work? Thor because he's able to like reconstruct a brand new costume with his hammer, and I wasn't sure if his hammer did that. Uh, <laughs> now, now we're going into a we're we're entering the realm of Asgard here. With all well, the uh, science and magic becoming one, yeah, so you're trying to apply logic to. <laughs> I get that, but for most of the film, he has no shoes on his costume, and then when they're all suiting up, and it's a scene I don't necessarily get with him. I guess he was afraid of death for that really brief second because he was like te- he was really tentative to cr- try to grab his hammer. And then next thing you know, he's grabbing it, and his costume's, like, reforming, and he's getting, like, sheaves on his stuff now. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess this hammer can do that, or the lightning does. I well, in Thor, when, when he became worthy again in, the fir- in his first movie, when, you know, the hammer hit his hands, he got his real costume back. So maybe yeah, that's part thought, of the power. I, 
I thought that I was know. different because that was him becoming Thor again. Like he was grounded and the powers were taken from him. He, he probably this, what probably happened was that he stopped working out and they were like, Oh man, your arms have really <laughs> shrunk up. Let's cover him up with some some <laughs> sleeves. Okay, it's time, it's time for the climax. You know you're gonna need the gun show. <laughs> the gun show. But uh, I, I I thought the scene the scene of scene was kind of goofy because I didn't remember I was already in costume. Uh, Cap was already in costume. Technically, Black Widow and Hawkeye don't have costumes. Hulk just needs a pair of pants. That <laughs> some incredibly <laughs> large pants. Well, uh, I used to be very honest with this one. He was naked when he fell the first time. I don't know how the pants fit the second time, but they did. Yeah, I'm looking at some pictures right now of him like hulked out with his pants at the final battle, and it's like there's no way those are the same pants. Those are huge. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they didn't want to falling off mid-battle or something. Ain't that. Can we talk yeah. a second about how the guy who found Bruce Banner, how did he know that he would shrink down to a regular sized fella? Like, why did he bring those pants? <laughs> no clue. Yeah, no let's, clue. Let's, let's, let's just go with it. That's like, the, that's one, out of the entire movie, out of every tiny little thing that kind of irked me, that's the only thing that really bothers me. Like, how did yeah. you know? How did you know this was the Hulk? He didn't even. He's like, are you, are you an alien? It's like, no. So he didn't know who he was, but then he, he just assumed that he would shrink down at some point. I don't yeah, know. That's the, I don't that's know. The, that's, the, that's actually the only plot hole that actually bothered me out of every other one that was there. <laughs> yeah. Everyone that was there. Oh, let's the talk about that. the Hulk, though. How, how did we all feel about um, Mark Ruffalo playing Bruce Banner? Um, I thought he was. I thought he was the fantastic. third. He the bought, third cinematic Hulk. Well, the third. He bought. He bought a certain nervous energy to him. Like he was never really sure of himself, and he had. Like he has this non-confidence about him, and I don't mean that against um, Mark Ruffalo. I'm just mean like he. He is always kind of nervous. He's always kind of like you know he. He's always doing something with his hands. Yeah, he fidgets. He he, he yeah. adjusts his watch a lot, which. I do that a lot too when I'm uncomfortable. So it's like yeah. it's definitely doing these little things where it's like, oh yeah. I mean, and I don't know if that's necessarily Mark Ruffalo specifically or just something he brought to the character. Um, yeah, I assume it's something but, he brought to the character, but yeah, yeah. it worked. And I think all, yeah. I, I said this with the Hulk. He works much better in a group setting. He has people to play off of. He has characters to kind of bounce off of and talk to. And he can be Bruce Banner and kind of be, you know, we have him and Tony talking jibber-jabber. And it's interesting because they're both really excited about it and nobody else knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also get fun moments, like the little callback during the middle of the fight where he sucker punches Thor. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was hilarious. I mean, there were definitely, I I remember watching this in theaters, and there were, like, so many Hulk moments where the entire audience would just bust out laughing or cheering. You know, he really stole the show in a lot of of times. Uh, Yeah, and this was, I remember people saying, he should get his own solo film from this. And I'm like, they've done that before. There's a reason it didn't work. But, mm -hmm. you know, he does show up again soon enough. But it's a really fun, I think, you know, he brings it out to the role. And I and I think something we haven't talked about, but his relationship with the Black Widow is very interesting in that she seems to kind of mother him. She doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. talk down to him, but she does seem to be able to kind of... He trusts her to a certain degree, which is how they get him to eventually come to her carrier, even if she's a pathological liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, she she certainly does have almost like this motherly connection though with him and with Captain. Like, um, and you see that more in Winter Sol- Winter Soldier uh, with her and Captain America. But she's um, I I don't know, and it's weird too because it's like you would think that they wouldn't trust her specifically because she's like at some point or another worked every side, you know, like um, yeah. But there's that, a that reason was, for that. Like she yeah, they, she's just easy to trust for various reasons like even though you know that you can't trust her you still trust her like even loki spills the beans on his plan or you know whatever plan that he had to her (laughs) yeah well yeah and then like uh and this is not in this movie but there is a line in i think it's winter soldier when she there she's talking with captain america and he's like you know basically you know asking her who she is and, and she's like who do you want me to be and that speaks yeah. a lot to her character. Like she's everything to everyone, basically. And you know? I think I, I think a great way to show that was her introduction in this film, where she's you know she's being interrogated and her tongue's about to be cut off, and then Agent Coulson calls and she's like, "I had these guys right in the palm of my hand. They were telling me everything." And then no, we weren't. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. Tell her mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> and then she and gave then, the look. Yeah. The look that was like, "Yeah, you did." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a great, another great scene, a, a lot of fun. I think a lot of the characters' introductions were a ton of fun in this film. Yeah, um, definitely. So I, I guess, I mean, I guess the thing we haven't talked about, and we've mentioned it several times, is the action. Um, I mean, the I think action. it's... action. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely the start uh, I mean, I, second, second to none. I mean, I can't think of another movie that had more, I mean, just, like, testosterone pumping... You know, jumping out of your seat, cheering action moments than this film. I mean, this was just, you know, there were there were lulls in the action as we mentioned before between like when Loki was captured and when the Hulk hulked out on the on the helicarrier. But just overall, I mean, the action scenes in this were incredible. Yeah, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they were out of fun, really dynamic. They, you know, every character got a moment to shine, um, multiple moments to shine. Honestly. Um, everything from except and, Hawkeye. <laughs> well, except Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Got, <laughs> Hawkeye got that moment where he um he he tried to explode an arrow at Loki. Yeah, and then there was um okay he had that moment. That was, <laughs> that was a pretty good moment. <laughs> he had that one know. time where never mind. <laughs> I, I was I guess the part where he jumps off the building is kind of cool, even though that's technically him retreating. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a structured retreat, though. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not a moment. It's not a um, okay, like one of the moments. And a lot of these moments are really uh, quick. You drink and you miss it. Like uh, when Cap and Iron Man team up. I don't necessarily know why, but he shoots his uh, repulsive beam off of his shield. Yeah, that was. Oh, I mean, I don't... That was a little weird, but I I liked it. I'm not going to complain oh, too much. <laughs> it was really cool. I used to like doing stuff like that in like um, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance. But in that game, it made yeah. sense because it would double your damage. Here, it didn't really make any difference because Iron Man could have just shot them directly. Yeah, and it would have been the same I mean, damage. It's, it's again, it's the story serving the action, you know. Oh. And I mean, it's with, with a giant film like this where it's like you got to sell toys and accessories and all this. It's like it's understandable that they, you know, that Joss would get pressure from above to be like, "Hey, look, we need you to work some some stuff in here." So, but. So I, I, I can't really harp on it too much for that. But yeah, that was kind of silly. There were a few moments like that. 
Oh, and kind of going back to the beginning of the film, and this is something that I watched this time because Tony mentioned it with Kathy last week, is like when Thor hits his shield, there's a huge vibration that knocks them all out. And I'm like, damn it, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a giant vibration. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this shield is res- it's 100% resistant to vibration. <laughs> And no, it, 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 it echoes. It amplifies it, if anything. Um, yeah. There's also the there's also the moment. Um, the thing is, I added, as far as I know, a lot of those creatures weren't named, so I'm just gonna call it like the giant worm or bird. I don't know what you call it, but it, the moment like um oh the the whale creatures yeah flying whales Hulk, yeah yeah where Hulk drops something and then Thor comes in and hammers it. Uh, there's the part where Iron Man oh. flies through one with a bunch of little like missiles and stuff like that. I don't know how much arsenal he has on that thing because he didn't run out of ammo. I just don't know why he yeah, has specifically thigh like rockets. Like of all the things to <laughs> put rockets. in your thighs, you're gonna put rockets. What would you hey, put thighs? I'd put additional power sources there. You know? Well, I mean, I would have to say this is the one film so far where his power source wasn't an issue because in all of his solo films, at some point. Sir, you only have 15%. I know Jarvis. But here, he's first perfectly fine with it. We also get another really fun Iron Man transformation when he falls out of the... He gets tossed out of the window, I should say. And the suit chases after him. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was the Mark 7, I think? Mark yeah. 7? Yep. Yeah, Which and I think... Of, uh, by the time we get to Iron Man 3, he's up to like Mark 50 or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. But, I wonder if... I don't know... Um, Eventually, he gets to a point where he has like uh, some of like like nanobots. I forget what they're called, but it, it gets pretty insane with like the technology that he uses to turn into Iron Man. But yeah, it's cool to see. It's always cool to see like the new evolution in his in his technology because I mean, as you would expect from Tony Stark, he's always trying to push the envelope and come up with new crazy stuff. You know, he's never one to be like, "Oh, this is good enough." <laughs> and and that and that's something we haven't talked about because I mean. It's not as important with the Avengers because it's the end of the phase, but according to uh, from what I've gathered from the dialogue, this film takes place a year after the last few have, so it's been about a year, and there's a lot of time for Tony to work on his tech and improve it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's weird that after having everything kind of take place within a really tight con- time frame, they're like, okay, we'll just jump ahead a year. Yeah, but. I think that's yeah. fair. A year, yeah. like, like the rest of the movies took, except for uh, First Avenger, Captain America, all of them took place in a short amount of time, like under eight months. Yeah, I, I mean, it's roughly about six months for the first, except for the Cap. Um, yeah, and Maria Hill makes an introduction. I thought that was a weird thing to do. I mean, it makes sense because she's do you- a, because she's like one of the first characters you meet in this film, and it's weird uh-huh. that you you kind of have the an introduction of the Avengers via a new character, and not necessarily somebody you know, like Coulson or Fury. Mm-hmm. Like they're in that scene, but she's kind of the first person you see. Yeah, I guess, but yeah, but Maria Hill is is a big deal in the comics, and I, I remember um, watching it in oh. theaters, and you know, even watching it now. Like, although, as much as I love Colby Colby Smulders, uh, Maria Hill is a very different character like in the comics like she is she's a bitch like severely <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I don't I don't really see that with Colby but um, I mean I guess I we'll see if they do anything much, with it I was about to say she's not much of a character in this film yeah she's just kind of 
stands around to mess with the computer and Except, to answer. Now, there's one part where she totally sizes up Cap, like gives him the once over. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. When he no, first comes no, onto the helicarrier and he walks past her and she gives him the once over. Well, I mean, that's the only character was, development she has. Nobody was more than <laughs> Captain America than Agent Coulson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Finished, you know? <laughs> I watched you while you were sleeping. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was uh, present <laughs> while you were unconscious. Because <laughs> that was much better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... I think, I don't know, did we pretty much cover everything? I don't know what else. Uh, yeah, overall, any- I guess, how did you guys, I mean, how would you, how would you rate, rate this amongst the other, other films that we've reviewed so far? You know, we've spent a lot of time sharing this film, but I still think it's probably the most enjoyable film of Phase 1 because it's the one that just goes for the pure fun factor um, the problem is there, there's a lot of stuff in between that, but when it is on, it's on better than any other film in Phase One. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I would I would say that as far as the 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 films that we've seen that we've reviewed so far in Phase One, uh, purely from a comic book movie lover's perspective, this is by far. Th- the quote best like this is the one that you're going to have so much fun watching from front to back it, it it's it's just you know it's 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 super fun to watch as a film i don't think this is the best film in phase 1 i still think i i want to say that the original iron man is probably the best film as far as like story structure and character development and all that's concerned this is way more fun certainly but as critically as as a film, I don't think it's necessarily the best. Yeah, I I think that you summed up my my thoughts exactly. It's not a great film on its own. It doesn't have this tremendous plot structure. But hell, if I didn't have fun watching this, and it's a fun that I didn't have watching any of the other uh, Phase One movies or even going into Phase Two. It's it was just something completely different, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So um, oh, I, I guess the only downside is that you pretty much have to watch some of the prior films before. I mean, I guess you could watch this one cold, but it, you might be a bit. It's lost. not the same cold, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. I, I, I was going. I was going to ask that because I mean, to me, this feels like Thor one point five. In that you'd probably have to watch, because Thor is the main bad guy. Well, not Thor, but, you know, the main bad guy's from Thor. The Tesseract is from Thor. I mean, it's from Captain America, but you see it at the end of Thor. Um, the scientist who helps Loki is from Thor. And, yeah. you know, there isn't a ton from, there isn't anything from Captain America other than Captain America. There isn't yeah. anything from Iron Man films except for Black Widow and Tony Stark. And the only thing that they even mention about the Incredible Hulk is that he broke Harlem the last time he was in New York. And boy, did right. he break yeah, I remember. I remember reading something where, I don't know who said it, but someone from the production of the Avengers was saying that, like, Thor was instrumental in, um, in, in this film. 
Yeah. You know, I like it, it, like Thor was like kind of like the big deciding factor as to whether or not they were going to be able to pull off the Avengers. Like if they could nail Thor, then everything else would fall into yeah. place. Which, uh, which in hindsight sounds funny, but because Thor, by the time Thor came out, this film had already been filming. So if it bombed, it would have sucked, but it worked out for them. Yeah. But yeah, because this is Thor 1.5, and I think because it's the most recent film in the Phase 1, you know, like Cap comes out after it, but Cap is set in the way past. Um, yeah. Well, I remember before Thor came out, they were talking about, you know, I was, I was all over this stuff on the internet, because as you guys know, I'm a huge comic fan, and... um Prior to Thor coming out, they were saying, oh, you know, Loki's going to be the villain in Thor and also in Avengers. Like, there was a lot of – they had just broken that prior to, the, this, to Thor coming out. And I remember just being like, what? Loki? In the Avengers? Ah! But mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, I mean, you know, I don't know. Credit to Tom Hiddleston and, and, and you know, to Joss Whedon and the way he wrote Loki. I mean, uh, he's well, I mean, one of the best villains in the I mean, comic book universe right now. To be fair, and this is something we discussed before, he's also the only one who's alive. Tony killed Iron Monger, Whiplash throws himself up, um, Abomination probably couldn't need an army if he wanted to, and Red Skull is a presumed dead. Presumed, uh, but yeah. not proven. Yeah, no one in the comic book universe dies except for Uncle Ben. And um, who else? There's one other person I forget. But Bruce's well, I mean, parents. Yeah, it's not to say Bruce and Bruce yeah. Um, Kyle not Bruce Banner, Batman. No, I was talking about in Marvel, in Mar- in Marvel comic books. Like it's um, oh, it's specifically in Marvel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just make but, so no one ever dies, really. I mean, it's you know, like you'll you'll never see a dead body. And if you do, it's like oh, that was a. A, a decoy body that was a clone of the guy. Not a decoy. Kind of like how <laughs> Coulson didn't die. Yeah. Well, I mean, Coulson I used to say dead for a year. Yeah, spoilers. Spoiler alert. Technically, we're not going to cover. Technically, we're not going to cover Agents of Shield. Well, no. I mean, but uh, in 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 the cinematic universe, he's still dead. <laughs> yes, yeah, <Seriously. laughs> they never they never reveal that he's alive. Oh, yeah. oh, I know that. And that is something I find really stupid because they um <laughs> they already have a scene in Agents of Shield where Sif comes and they already tell her do not tell Thor <laughs> that Kosin is alive because yeah. their excuse is that Kosin wants to tell him himself and I'm like you just don't want to acknowledge that he's alive, do you? <laughs> so we yeah. maybe he'll make an appearance in Age of Ultron. Who knows? Maybe I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll be back for the movies. I don't. Think Man, I remember. Ah, oh, there was so much like hype about. Wait, if Coulson's dead, maybe they'll bring him back and he'll be Vision. You know, because Vision, uh, like, it, well, the, the, in in one iteration was um, basically they took the mind of Wonder Man and put him into Vision. You know, and so it's like maybe they're gonna do that with Coulson and like, you know. But uh, yeah, no. there was mm-hmm. there were people not. saying that he was a life model decoy because Tony mentions that in passing in this film. There was a lot of different things, but um, I think we are done with the Avengers. Unless you folks have anything else to say? Uh, no, I think no. we pretty much covered it all, man. I mean, definitely a must-watch if you're into comic book movies at all. Just you know, don't so, expect too much of it. <laughs> so 
So this is mm-hmm. the end. This is the end of phase one. We'll be back next week with the start of phase two. And much like phase one, it kicks off with Iron Man, Iron Man three, as he takes on. Well, we'll find out because it's a twist. That's I think it's a bit of taste in a lot of people's mouths. So for Scott, Tony, and myself, this has been the Marvel Cinecast for Marvel's The Avengers. Peace. Woo. I'm just gonna leave that thing because it's but no, damn it. <laughs> oh no, science.